got a cold front coming in. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Them pigs out there, they're going to be in rut. Rut, yeah, they're going to be going out and run a buck wild. <laughs> going hunting this weekend? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to do during the cold fronts. No, yeah, it's like 54 degrees I in went, the mornings. It's so cold, I had to go and buy a sweater. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I bought two sweaters, so I had alternates because I know that it's going to be cold more than one day. <laughs> but yeah, and you can't wear the sweater two days in a row. No, not if I'm going to be on camera. When are you going to be on camera? Oh. <laughs> because all of my meetings are on Zoom. Because <laughs> you have a job. Yes. That's right. <laughs> when am I going to be on camera? <laughs> I didn't tell you. Oh, these days we're all having to be camera ready. Yeah, me too. Are you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. We're literally all trying to be camera ready. Every second of every day. Yeah, that's no good. At least I can hide my phone from my camera. I can't hide anything. They see me walking from the truck to the door. <laughs> and then they try to talk to me. From elsewhere. And I have to say, in a polite way, shut up. <laughs> I'm leaving now. That sounds awful. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> But you are liking the cooler weather. Yeah, if it was ever cooler while I was working. You and the pigs. Yep. <laughs> Me and the pigs. Well, start a different topic. Uh, or start the episode. We could start the episode. Greetings, listeners, domestic, international, and extraterrestrial. I'm Dave Reed. And I'm Kristen Riley. This is The Cast Files. I am a nerd who has somehow never seen The X-Files. And I watched it when it originally aired. You know what? I wonder why I'm not terrified of aliens since I watched this so young. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Well, we will ponder that some more while the dogs go nuts. There are (laughs) new dogs in the neighborhood. Oh, cool. Yep. Every now and then they just holler at each other. So, The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and comment. (laughs) I did it right earlier in my head. Wow. The Cast Files is a podcast where we watch and discuss every episode of The X-Files, spoiler free. Today we are talking about Season 2, Episode 5, Dwayne Barry. It originally aired October 14th, 1994. It was written by Chris Carter and directed by Chris Carter. Oh, October 14th? That's my sister's birthday. Oh, wow. How old did she turn in 1994? Nine. Nine. How lovely. Yep. So she watched this with me, too. I wonder how her feelings on extraterrestrials are these days. I don't know. If she watched this episode, probably not afraid of them. They looked unmenacing. I will text her later and find out. Uh, I also need to find out about the sexual predator who was running rampant in her neighborhood. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yep. So, gotta find, gotta get some updates. Yes. I did know that this was Chris Carter's directorial debut. It is. I figured you would notice since you do this part. That was one of the trivia bits in IMDb. I gotta say, strong first showing. You know what? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's well directed. It is. It they, kept your attention. Look at all your notes. Yeah, barely any. And this is after two watches, I have barely any notes. Yep. This is one of those episodes where I just, the first watch, I just put the notebook down and quit taking notes and just watched the show. Yep. 
It was a good episode. It you was intense. S- you straight up closed your notebook. Yeah. Like, you were done, done. Yeah. <laughs> I realized I had, like, three lines written, and it was halfway through, and I was like, well, this is just a farce. <laughs> <laughs> and even with the second viewing, there's not a lot there. Not a lot. So I guess you liked watching this episode. I did. It was a good episode. Yeah, I agree. They really kept the tension going. They did. The tension was was palpable. Yeah. Well done. Yes. So, let's see. IMDb says, A former FBI agent who claims he was abducted by aliens takes several people hostage. Mulder agrees to be the negotiator. Kind of. I mean, mean, he gets wrangled into it. Yeah. Mulder is called in to be the negotiator and says, What? I don't do this. Yeah. (laughs) And as we find out, neither do the the negotiators. They're pretty bad. So I did the cast this week. I know I didn't do it last week because Tony Todd and that would have just been ridiculous because we just called him out for the rest of the time. But this one I did a little differently also because Steve Reelsback is Dwayne Barry and I had to read to you this fan written opening to his IMDb. Wow. Okay. First, I want to say I know that I know him from somewhere and I'm excited for you to tell me because I cannot put it together. His voice is incredibly familiar. I am not going to tell you, but I will tell you something else about him. Okay. Oh, you're not going to tell me what else he was in? Nope. Oh, okay. This takes up so much time, I only did this part. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and he's in the next episode. That's true. Oh, so there's a spoiler. Sorry. So this is on his IMDb page, and it was the most amazing intro to an IMDb page that I have ever seen. I had to <laughs> read it. Noted for his dangerous, chameleon-like portrayals while possessing the scariest-looking pair of eyes in the business, leathery-looking Steve Reelsback has mesmerized us over the years with a number of weird, often warped roles, both on film and television. While never achieving the degree of stardom deserved, he, (laughs) like the equally infamous and unpredictable Dennis Hopper, always commands interest whether the material is good or inferior. <laughs> okay. Are they trying to say that he could be King Bowser in a Mario movie? Because I don't think so. I don't know. I didn't look what else he was in because I read that and I was like, what? He has the scariest looking pair of eyes in the business? He's leathery looking? <laughs> he is leathery looking. He is, but his eyes aren't that scary. They, it's always dark where he's at. So It is the X-Files. Yeah. I think I have a scene... In this one or the next episode, where I'm just like, this scene is dark. It's the next episode. <laughs> Which, that's not spoiling anything because that is the X-Files. <laughs> we also have CCH Pounder as Agent Lucy Kasdan, who you may recognize from Avatar. One, two, four, and five. Not three? Nope. I, uh, I checked. I'm angry at why. I don't know why. And then on this blog called Siskoid's Blog of Geekery, he suggests that because CCH Pounder is in this episode, that this is a continuity of the Warehouse 13 universe. Ah. <laughs> and we just didn't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Which I thought was phenomenal. Funny. That's one of the things I was going to say I know her from. Sons of Anarchy, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Ooh. Uh, Warehouse 13, uh, the voice of Amanda Waller and all the good DC cartoons. There you go. So we also have Frank C. Turner as Dr. Del Hackey. You may know him from Sonic the Hedgehog, 
the 2020 version. Yeah. <laughs> Who was he in that? I don't know. Mr. Wood. I didn't. I didn't write it down, but I was like, oh, anybody in that one? Terrible. And then Frank Henderson as Agent Rich. You may know him from The Christmas Doctor, The Christmas Waltz, You, Me, and The Christmas Trees, <laughs> and Open by Christmas. <laughs> wow. That dude is on the right track for wealth. He is getting the residuals. Yes. For life. Good for him. <laughs> this, his is the career path I would like to have. Right? Mara Wilson said... Be in the Christmas movies. Yeah, I'll be the I'll be the dopey dad in all the Christmas movies. <laughs> Cast me, I beg you. I'll be whoever. Just give me those residuals. All right, ready to dive in to 1985. Yes. So we are in Pulaski, Virginia, June 3rd, 1985. I don't know what time of day. Sorry. Probably night. night. Exterior. It's dark. Night. <laughs> interior. It's actually interior. Night. We see a house that is under construction and a dog walking through the under construction house because we see all of the plastic sheets mm-hmm. uh, barring, the, barring the walls, pretending to be walls. <laughs> the dog leaves his food dish and goes into the room with his owner, who is Duane Barry, who is lying on a bed. There's a TV on in the background. The TV goes staticky. The dog gets worried and we see strange beings wandering outside. Clearly aliens. I know. Even though you can kind of see that they're wearing shirts. Yeah, there is a goof in this where one of the aliens is has its head tilted and you can see human skin. Oh. Um, and I think t-shirts. The dog growls, whimpers, and runs out of the room. Dwayne wakes with a start. Apparently he knows what they are. Aliens. Which we actually see. And they look very stereotypical. Yes. He yells, no, no, not again, as a UFO shines a light on his house and his dog barks at it. We watch the dog watch the handler off screen for direction. Good dog. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Basically, we watch sleep paralysis. Yes. Immediately, that was my thought. This it dude was. is That's having a severe bout of sleep paralysis. And what a time for us to hear about that. The episode after I was talking about infrasound. That's the name of it. I kept forgetting it when we were talking about it in the last episode. I remembered it Is later. the tone? Is, it's called infrasound. Okay. Because you can't really, it's not in the range of well, audible. Tell people what you're talking about. What I was talking about in the last episode, how they can uh, use infrasound to make a sleeping person induce sleep paralysis. And it, air conditioning units make the sound? No, air conditioning units do the thing where they vibrate your Oh, eyes. that's right. Okay. But they use infrasound and they can ba- they can make you think that you were abducted by aliens. Hmm. To the point where they have to show you video of you sleeping for you to believe that you didn't witness an alien like working on you. Well, that seems rude. Why would you do that to somebody? Yeah, to prove that nobody's getting abducted by aliens. Or just that person wasn't being abducted oh, by aliens. Right. It's actually a video on a loop, which you can do, so I would still be skeptical. I'd be uh, like, this is just me repeatedly, and you taped over where the aliens abducted me. Oh, so... Sir, so the get sl- out of my bedroom with your cameras. <laughs> the sleep study people are in it with the aliens? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's rude. I see. But it's practical, because people go in, they get... It's, it's, a, it's a whole... It's not an embargo, but it's basically where they're just trading. It's a, it's a port. 
Trading bodies. Okay. <laughs> so next we are at Davis Correctional Treatment Center, Marion, Virginia, present day. Because apparently you get arrested for being chosen by UFO spotlights. He had to have... This is a weird thing, but he had to have done something off screen to nope. get arrested. He can't. Right, because they don't get credit for anything that happens nope. off screen. So basically they're just dragging this guy in because they don't like him. Yep. Bastards. A guard leads Barry who has wrist restraints on, which are those plastic zip ties, heavy duty plastic zip ties, which I didn't realize they had used forever. Yeah. I don't know why in my brain I was thinking it was the last 10 years. Yeah, I'm with you on that actually. Hmm. I don't recall it ever seeing it use those to no now if only he had troom troom videos in 1994 he'd know how to get out of them that's right man <laughs> that was crazy Dwayne Barry is walking with the wrist restraints on past many of the other residents of the center a guard knocks on a door and opens it then brings Barry in Dr. Hackey turns around and stands up and I know him from something else which is not Sonic the Hedgehog but I didn't <laughs> look to see what I knew him from also, I said he was like Mr. Wood or something. Yeah. I was conflating Sonic with uh, Mega Man. Ah. Mega Man's the one with like Wood Man and Stone Man and ah, stuff okay. as the bad guys. What terrible names. They didn't They didn't go back to the drawing board one more time? They probably sounded a lot better in Japanese. Oh, you know what? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Uh, a lot of things are lost in translation, like the nuance. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne has stopped taking his medication, which worries the doctor because it keeps him docile. Dwayne has a history of hurting people, although we don't learn about this history. Really? Ever? No. When he, when stating his case about not being crazy, Dwayne talks about himself in the third person, which doesn't help his case. <laughs> not endearing? It's just not helping his case in this situation. The doctor wants to give Dwayne a shot to put him to sleep, but Dwayne is agitated because, air quotes, they are coming back. Dwayne grabs a pen while the doctor preps the syringe and leaves the office. He stabs a guard, grabs a gun, and generally wants out of the prison. <laughs> <laughs> he just punches the guy. No, he stabs him with the pen. I didn't realize he grabbed a pen. He grabs a pen off the desk. Oh, that makes way more sense. Because I thought that the guard was like really overreacting to being punched. Oh, no, he <laughs> stabs him in the back with a, an ink pen of some sort. Yeah, Some okay. fancy fountain pen. All right, then it's an appropriate response. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just got punched in the back. That's, <laughs> it's not that big a deal. He's down for the count forever. <laughs> right. Uh, Dwayne hits the doctor and says, either way, doc, we're getting out of here together. You guys, let's do it now. Go, go, go. He really should have had him get out of those cuffs before grabbing the doctor. Yeah. Because that was just, functionally, it did not work. Right. Well, that's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> I agree, but here we are. So next we are in Washington, D.C. on August 7th, uh, 1994. And August 7th is Riley's birthday. <laughs> How old was he when this came out? <laughs> he was negative. Negative, <laughs> negative 12. Yeah. Krychek looks down at the large indoor swimming pool and makes his way down to it. Mulder, wearing only red Speedos, is doing laps. He reaches the end of the pool as Krychek walks up. And wet Mulder. They're just serving us hotties in this season, Hell I guess. Hell yeah. Mulder says, what's up? And Krychek says, well, me now. So gross. <laughs> but it's just locker room talk, right? Yeah, Krychek said, ah, damn, Mulder, your bone structure is giving my bone structure. <laughs> gross. Ew. Ugh. 
Well, a lot of people really loved this scene, and I have two bits of trivia from IMDb oh, specifically about this Speedo. <laughs> so David Duchovny declared that Mulder wears the acclaimed Speedo in the scene at the pool at his suggestion to Chris Carter. Carter wanted Mulder to be wearing a typically long Californian surfing suit, but Duchovny thought that Mulder would not be doing pool laps in such a suit. Yeah, no, yeah like a like a wetsuit? Yeah. Like a shorty? Yeah. Which would make sense if he was swimming at the beach, but not in a pool. Yeah. I agree. However, he also was like, but look at how cut I am right now. Look, I got that season one money. (laughs) I've got a personal trainer. Right. I'm going to show this off. If you're going to have me in a pool, you're going to have me in a speedo. Do you see this? Do you see these muscles right here? (laughs) Because everybody needs to. I've got the vicious V going. That's right. This is hard to maintain, so let's shoot it now. (laughs) I won't look like this tomorrow. (laughs) I plan on having some water. (laughs) (laughs) So dehydrated. Yes. Beauty is pain. (laughs) The other bit of trivia is that the red speedo that Mulder wears when Krychek meets him has become a sexual icon. Many years after its appearance, it remained the object of multiple jokes of fans and the crew, particularly Jillian Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine them just bragging each other. Uh, I hope she came in to watch the shoot that day just for the hell of it. Yeah, she wasn't even (laughs) on for that Mm -hmm. day. In addition, Darren Morgan wrote a gag in the same 10 so Mulder could wear it again. So a, a little... A little spoilery that the Speedo comes back at some point. That's fun, though. Yeah, I figured it wouldn't give too much away, like, anything about the episode. Right. (laughs) And, oh, also, there's a hostage situation, and all of us, including Mulder, are unclear why Mulder has been selected to negotiate, except aliens. (laughs) Are you a UFO? (laughs) That's a meme that I will, that I ran across accidentally and will post on Twitter. So I was hoping that they would just go now because, you know, no time to lose with a hostage negotiation, but Mulder gets dressed, which is very lame. They arrive in downtown Richmond, Virginia, August 7th, same day, 1994. Uh, Mulder is dressed, but still has not figured out the hair product situation. Snipers sit on the roof of the building across the street from the Travel Time Travel Agency, pointing their guns, as they do. Sirens stop blaring, and Mulder and Krychek drive up as policemen hold back the crowd. Because there's nothing that a crowd loves more than to have snipers pointing weapons (laughs) where they're trying to be. We're introduced to Lucy Kasdan here. She's the negotiations commander. She is also CCH Pounder. She leads Mulder and Krychek to a blackboard, which says honesty, containment, conciliation, and resolution. I feel this could be on an index card, but okay. Oh, and Agent Rich is also here. I think we need motivational posters for honesty, containment, reconciliation, conciliation, and resolution. Yep. And they can all have kittens on them. Yes. (laughs) Falling out of the tree (laughs) in various pictures. Yep. But it's a low-to-the-ground tree, so the kitten's okay. Honesty is when they're on the ground. They've hit. Oof. Oh, that wouldn't be resolution? That seems like that would be resolution. Yeah, you're right. Honesty is (laughs) mid-air. Well, I looked up a little bit about hostage negotiation, which is called crisis negotiation now on Wikipedia. Oh. Because I was thinking, is this really... are, Are these really the steps? And... 
I don't know, that's not what I found out in this little bit, but I have a couple of bits throughout um, about crisis negotiation because I, in my amateur opinion, believe that they do a shit job. <laughs> yeah, they keep telling Mulder, don't let him think you believe him, which doesn't make much sense to no. me. So I have a little bit of backstory about where this even came from. Crisis negotiation. Modern hostage negotiation principles were established in 1972 when then NYPD detective Harvey Slossberg, also a psychologist, recognized the need for trained personnel in crisis intervention. Well, shit, Harvey. <laughs> really? Took till 1972? Damn. Slossberg had worked with David Berkowitz. Oh. Son of Sam, which I mentioned in another episode recently. Yeah. And I don't remember why. Um, oh, he was... Blood. He was a postal yep, worker. Yep, postal worker. And had instituted other psychological principles in police work, including psychological screening of police applicants and the use of hypnosis uh, in suspect witness interviews. All right. That's great. Great yeah. idea. All of it's great. All of it's very good. It's great that this started in 1972. It's great that it was an NYPD cop that came up with it because <laughs> you know that that was definitely on the up and up. So back to the episode. Lucy Kasdan, I don't know if she is detective because it, they don't address her as I detective. I think she's FBI. Okay. Well, she explains the situation and Dwayne's demands. He wants safe pass passage for himself and Dr. Hackey to the alien abduction site. Except the uh, the kicker is Dwayne can't remember where that was. Mm, that's that's rough. I know I want to go somewhere. So who better to tell him? Uh, Fox Mulder. A travel agency. Oh, a travel agency. <laughs> <laughs> that might be better. Yeah. Mulder has never done a hostage negotiation but that's okay, because Agent Rich is here to help. And I don't think Agent Rich says anything of note. Yeah, he grumbles a bit about nothing. Yeah, so Kasdan says that he's here to help, and then he doesn't do anything. But that's okay. You be Mulder. Go ahead. And now for Cast Files Theater. Do we know anything about his abduction experiences? You really believe in this stuff, Agent Mulder. Is that a problem? We're here to save lives. You'll begin negotiations immediately. Every three hours, we'll reevaluate your progress and let our tactical commander advise and update on the use of force. Hmm. Let's try it with the roles reversed. Okay. Do we know anything about his abduction experiences? You'll really believe in this stuff, Agent Mulder? Is that a problem? We're here to save lives. You'll begin negotiations immediately. Every three hours, we'll reevaluate your progress and let our tactical commander advise an update on the use of force. That was Cast Files Theater. All right, you're better. <laughs> you gotta do the voices. Uh, nobody thought to call the hospital about Dwayne's records, which is an oversight. I mean, it's a pretty grievous oversight. Lucy Kasdan decided Dwayne is a psycho, so who cares about his details? No. She not. literally says, he's <laughs> a psycho, so who cares? Right. It's pretty dumb. This seems like a bad negotiation tactic. Aren't you supposed to understand where the person is coming from? Honesty. Uh, <laughs> consult, consolation. Containment. <laughs> Constellations. <laughs> First, 
you're honest that you don't know the constellations. <laughs> yeah, I, I know Orion. I can find Orion. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, there's this new and cool. The Big Dipper. Well, it's probably not new, but there's a new to me app called Skywalk, mm-hmm. and you overlay it to the stars. And it shows you the it constellations. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. It's so cool. You can look through the earth and you can see what's on the other side of the earth. It's super cool. That's really cool. Yeah. My uncle showed it to me um, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> when you were out where you could see stars. Yes. We stood outside <laughs> and man, that floodlight doesn't go off forever. Mm. It's, <laughs> we just stood out there in the floodlight going, you can go off now. But then it <laughs> did and the moon was full. Yeah. And so it was still crazy bright. Huh. But we got to see a lot of stars. It was cool. So Skywalk. Highly recommend. Oh, this is another episode of Bad Mental Health Tactics. Oh, yeah. I mean. Just bleh. Yeah, worth noting. But. Obvious. Yeah. I didn't go too far into it. Actually, I didn't go into it at all. I just noted it. Yeah. So at the time travel agency inside, Bob is sitting on the floor who, for some <laughs> unknown reason... Did you say time travel agency? I don't know. <laughs> travel time travel agency? Is that better? It's not. It's just funny. All right. Well, whatever it is, we're inside the travel agency. Bob is sitting on the floor who I decided I didn't like for no reason. <laughs> because he's bald. No! And you are a bigot. No, I'm not! <laughs> No, I just decided he was the co-worker who always steals your yogurt from the fridge. Just because you're married to someone with glorious hair doesn't make it okay for you to hate bald people. I don't hate bald people. <laughs> How rude of you. <laughs> me? This is slander. To have glorious hair? Yes, and also to slander me. Uh, he's looking up at Dwayne. His fellow hostages, Kimberly and Gwen, are seated next to him. Hacky is tied to a chair. Dwayne is upset and aggressive. Dr. Hackey tries to talk him down, but it doesn't work. He doesn't seem to be doing very well today. Mulder calls, remaining calm, which is a new development for Mulder. Good thing this isn't court, and he's not an expert in negotiation. <laughs> That's the difference. He's not an expert here, so he's calm. <laughs> he's super calm. <laughs> if he was an expert at this, he'd be screaming. Yes. Then it would just be Dwayne screaming and Mulder screaming, <laughs> and they would just be melting down at each other. You don't believe Dwayne Berry? <laughs> I believe Dwayne Berry. <laughs> and here are all of the reasons why I believe you. You don't believe me? Here are the re- reason one, reason two. My reason- sister was abducted by I feel like Mulder doesn't need to get over his grief of his lost sister by any means. But I do feel that his therapy didn't help him even a little bit. <laughs> no, I, you're probably right. So Dwayne keeps calling himself Dwayne. CCH Pounder is done dirty in this episode, in my opinion, because her character sucks and doesn't seem to do the job of a negotiator. And she just doesn't get enough screen time. But apparently she was nominated for an award. For this episode? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. All right. I mean, good job doing what you can do with this, but I, I don't like the... Amount of times she says, don't be on his side. Yeah. Don't don't feed into his psychosis. Yes. It's like, uh, isn't this the honesty part? Because he honestly believes. Yeah. And then also, well, we'll get to it. I have, I have a little bit about it. Mulder explains why everyone in this room sucks. Also, Dwayne is former FBI, which they failed to mention. And like, oh, is that even relevant? Yeah, of course it's relevant. Like his entire background is relevant. That especially... Yes, and the way that Mulder finds out is because we have those four words scribbled on the board, and Dwayne 
says them back to Mulder. He's yeah. like, I know what you're doing. It's this, 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 and this. And Mulder's like, oh, this dude knows our tactics. So yeah, maybe that's, that's important. That's information I should have had before. But he has no information. So I did look up the uh, what they do now in hostage negotiations. There's something called the behavioral change stairway model. It has five words instead of four that we do now. Oh. And this is from, this little list is from a 2003 article. So, okay, it must have evolved after this episode <laughs> called Crisis or Hostage Negotiation, colon, Current Strategies and Issues in High-Risk Conflict Resolution. One specific model developed by the FBI is the Behavioral Change Stairway Model. Police negotiators that follow this model work through the following stages in order. One, active listening, understanding the psychology of the perpetrator, and letting them know that they are being listened to, which makes sense and is not done in this episode. Right. Two, empathy, understand their issues and how they feel. You okay. Sense. Rapport. When they begin to see how the negotiator feels, they are building trust. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. This all seems to, this makes sense to me. Four, influence. Only once trust has been gained can solutions to their problem be recommended. Okay. And five, behavioral change. They act and maybe surrender. It is considered to be important to work through these steps in order and not try to affect behavioral change before rapport has been established. All of this makes sense in any high-stakes situation, any high-emotion situation. The way that they do it in this episode, none of it makes sense. Right. Like, Mulder is constantly fighting to do the active listening and the rapport building, and everybody else back in the other room is like, don't do that! Stop it! Stop! Stop! <laughs> yeah. Through, through his little earpiece. Every, everything I know about hostage negotiation, I learned from the movie The Negotiator. Oh. With Kevin Spacey and Samuel L. Jackson. Ooh, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, ooh, Kevin Spacey, but it's a fantastic movie. Eventually, I'm going to reconcile my final feelings on past Kevin Spacey movies. He was a creep then, too. Yes, he was. But those movies exist. Not to me. They, they are out there, and they are in the world. Ugh, I knew there was something off about that man. Eh, yeah, I guess. I thought, just thought he was a really good actor. So at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., Scully is watching the news report because, of course, the hostage negotiation is all on TV. <laughs> Mulder calls Scully. She's watching the negotiations, and Mulder wants her to do all the work the negotiators failed to get. <laughs> hey, doctor. Right. Can you do a background on this guy? The power goes out at the station, or wherever, at the scene of the incident, and everyone on scene gets really confused. Shots are fired. CCH Pounder does not hit the floor in that pencil skirt. <laughs> she does not. And then that bright light shows up right. out of nowhere, and they never explain what nope. it is. What was it? They don't explain. I don't know. Yeah, I don't like that. Then they 007 Mulder. He goes in cosplaying as an EMT. Oh, and the directive is to pretend to not believe Dwayne. Not sure how this is going to help build trust, but it's okay. We know Mulder doesn't play by the rules. Right. And these rules are stupid. Do they not know Mulder's reputation with rules? Maybe that's why they gave him bad rules. Ooh. Oh, they're reverse psychologying the psychologist. Ooh, and he falls for wow. it. Wow. Now, they also put that earpiece on his ear. Yes. And they say, look, this is going to mess with your equilibrium. 
right off the bat they're giving him an excuse to just eat shit some point in the episode and then he never does right i was fully expecting it the first watch i was like oh this is an excuse so he can fall down (laughs) but no they never said he never did could you imagine putting an earbud in your ear and your equilibrium gets fucked up hmm no that would suck it would suck that'd be really terrible i agree that's just making me nauseous thinking about it it's gonna make me fall over well, you're sitting, so you won't fall very far. Yep, you fell over. Dwayne is smart. He's FBI, after all. He pats down Mulder and the other guy, asking about weapons and wires. If you ask, they can't lie. <laughs> right? Just kidding. <laughs> if you're a cop, you gotta tell me. <laughs> if you're a cop, you gotta tell Dwayne Barry. <laughs> Just in case anybody still believes that, it's not true. Mulder then asks Dwayne about the light, explains how he understands and believes Dwayne about the aliens. But even though Mulder points out the light that you just pointed out, nobody actually explains it. No. Dwayne lets the shot guy and the EMT leave, but trades Mulder, naturally. CCH Pounder is unhappy, but we are not surprised. No. They go through and he talks about the tests that aliens are doing on him. And then they always give the people back. Yep. After doing tests. Just like we do. We catch mice, we experiment on them, and then we release them back into the wild. No, we don't. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, where are you going with this? Why on earth would aliens bother to give the people back? Wouldn't they just chuck them in the incinerator? Probably. However... We'll dissect you, see what makes you tick, drill into your teeth for some reason, and then chuck you in the... Why? If they are that more advanced than us, that we are just mice to them, why would they bother giving us back? The only other thing that I was thinking with this specific situation that Dwayne Barry is dealing with, because later in the episode we find out that he has tracking devices or some such thing in him, is like when we tag and track birds, whales, sharks. I was getting. I was gonna say that later. If they wanted to track his behavior. And movements, but which was which would be how they find him repeatedly. But uh, that's the only reason I could think of to release him back into the wild. But generally, the animals that we are drilling holes in their teeth with lasers versus the animals that we catch, tag, and release are different. Yes, they're not the same animal. Right, because if you are severely altering an animal's behavior in any way, shape, or form, then Tracking their behavior gives you no data. No real data. Yeah, no No data data. whatsoever. This is what they do when we fuck with them real bad. (laughs) It's like uh, cutting off a shark's fin for shark fin soup and then tracking that shark to see what it does. Right. It dies. It dies. So this is when the X-Files becomes a real horror show because Dwayne starts having flashbacks as Mulder is talking to him and... He, this is when he says that they were drilling in my teeth. And we see him on a table laid out with lasers in his mouth. Now, a little bit of trivia from the IMDb page is that lasers cannot be seen by the naked eye. So special effects fabrications just use a small red LED bulb, a simple pocket laser, and blow fine smoke or powder past the lens to make them visible on film. (laughs) It's usually the least expensive effect in film and video. (laughs) That's funny. Yep. So I liked that little tidbit. Scully calls back um, a bit later and speaks with Krychek, who tells her Mulder traded himself for a hostage. Scully says Mulder has to get out immediately because Dwayne isn't what Mulder thinks. 
he's a fraud. Right. Which I'm not sure why it's so intense. Okay, so if he's a fraud. Well, because he's dangerous. And yeah. Mulder's going to buy into whatever he's saying. That puts Mulder at a severe disadvantage, not knowing that information. Mulder has put Mulder at a severe disadvantage. Also, all of the crisis negotiators have put Mulder at a severe disadvantage. Mulder is not a crisis negotiator, and he believes in alien abductions. He should not be here. I agree with that. <laughs> so. But specifically, Mulder believes that he's actually been abducted by aliens. The fact that we quote, know that he hasn't means that he's lying to Mulder and Mulder's just buying anything he's saying. But then it does seem that he has. Right. And also, even if he has, Scully would not believe it. Right. So no matter what she found, she was going to think that he was making it up. Right. It's too intense. Her reaction is too intense for the situation with her knowing Mulder as, as well as she does. But I'm not the director. Then Scully shows up. At the location, because Mulder can't be talked to over the phone. His little earpiece thing doesn't take phone calls. (laughs) She is fully hiding her pregnancy under that coat. She's wearing a giantest coat. She explains to CCH Pounder et al. about Phineas Gage and his spike in the head situation, which is apparently what also happened to Dwayne, but with a bullet. Regardless, Dwayne is now a pathological liar, and everyone has truly fucked this case. Yes, they all have. So I have a couple of, I have a factual error, which took me down a road of a Wikipedia road about Phineas Gage. So the factual error from the IMDb page says Scully bases the notion of Barry's mental illness on reports of Phineas Gage, who supposedly underwent a personality change after a blasting accident drove an iron rod through his head and out the other side. However, the idea that Gage became violent, immoral, or a pathological liar like Scully describes him, is an urban legend. Gage lived a productive life for 12 years following his accident. Now, we know a little bit about Phineas Gage, but I think we know more of the urban legend side. Yeah. So I went and looked up a little bit. Um, Again, it's on Wikipedia, so take it or leave it. But this is interesting to me, if you know anything about the uh, urban legend side of Phineas Gage. He influenced 19th century discussion about the mind and brain, particularly debate on cerebral location. I'm sorry, cerebral localization, and was perhaps the first case to to suggest the brain's role in determining personality and that damage to specific parts of the brain might induce specific mental changes, which is horrifying because then you get the ice pick up the nose and they start scrambling your, your brain. Yes. He is a fixture fixture in neurology, psychology, and neuroscience as one of the, quote, great medical curiosities of all time. So this happened in the 1800s, and back then there was a psychologist called Malcolm McMillan whose analysis of scientific and popular accounts of Gage found that they almost always distort and exaggerate his behavioral changes well beyond anything described by anyone who had direct contact with him, concluding that the known facts are, quote, inconsistent with the common view of Gage as a boastful, brawling, foul-mouthed, dishonest, useless drifter, unable to hold down a job, who died penniless in an institution. So that's a fun description if you're listening to a story, but apparently it's all fake. Okay. A report of Gage's physical and mental condition shortly before his death implies that his most serious mental challenges uh, and changes were temporary, so that in later life he was far more functional and socially far better adapted than in the years immediately following his accident. 
A social recovery hypothesis suggests that his work as a stagecoach driver in Chile fostered his recovery by providing daily structure that allowed him to regain lost social and personal skills. Oh. So That's the, actually a better ending to his story. Yeah, much better ending. So he did become like violent and foul-mouthed liar, but it was temporary? It seems like he had some behavioral changes after his accident, but the boastful, brawling, foul-mouthed liar seems like it was all enhanced. Okay. So he had he changed in his behavioral his behavior immediately and then slowly as his brain healed came back to a more norm, normal version of who he was before. All right. And it's just an interesting story and there was a lot more on this background where basically any scientist especially studying the brain and behavior has used gauge as a way to insert their own feelings and description of descriptions of what the brain and behavior does Mm. and so over the years because this happened over a hundred years ago over 150 years ago now people have basically just overlaid whatever they want onto him and so the very minimal facts have been warped and changed and become a more fascinating and fantastic story so a lot of it's just blown out of proportion and exaggerated and it turns out that he did change somewhat for a few years, and then he started relearning how to do everything, including being social and holding down a job and, and all of that. And with structure in his life, he was just being a dude with a job. All right. Yeah. So Mulder is totally bought into Dwayne's story, but Scully Mulder's me's into the earpiece, saying Dwayne is a brain-damaged psychopath. So we're all on good ground here. Yay. Yep. You know, Scully's always been pretty good about this type of stuff. Oh my gosh. Mulder changes tactic or something, and Dwayne releases the women, but keeps Mulder and the doctor. As the women leave, the quieter one tells Dwayne she believes him. That was nice of her. She wants to believe. She wants to believe. As the women stumble out of the building, SWAT surrounds the building. They called them... HRT. Human replacement therapy. Yes. Human (laughs) hormone (laughs) replacement therapy. That's right. Mulder actually saves Dwayne from a sniper because he has to know. Mulder likes to put people in danger for information. He does do that. Some more on hostage negotiations and SWAT. You're going to love this. Oh, good. The first hostage negotiation teams, HNTs, were often created as elements of special weapons and tactics, which is SWAT, Uh and merely created a diversion while SWAT deployed. Okay, cool. Yeah. LAPD, what are you going to do? NYPD. Well, SWAT came out of the LAPD. Doesn't say that here. Dwayne loses his temper when Mulder asks if he's lying. Men do not like you to ask them if they are lying. You can't Dwayne bury a liar! Mm-hmm. Through gritted teeth. A little bit of spit. Yep. As Dwayne practices shaking baby on Mulder, the earpiece cuts out. Which is a really bad joke, but I wrote it anyway. Mm. <laughs> because that's not actually a thing. That's right. You told me that, I think. Yep. Yep. Anecdotal information inside my head that that's just what they apply to babies with injuries when they cannot apply anything else. It's like SIDS. That's messed up. It's really sad. It's all of it's bad. Seems like shaking a baby would do some damage, though. Yes, but the thing with shaken baby syndrome is that usually the person who is pointed as the abuser 
is the person who has the baby and takes the baby to the hospital, mm. regardless of when the incident happened, because it's just the last person in contact with the child. Perfect. Yes. It's real great. All of it's really great. So obviously somebody has done something terrible to the baby in these types of circumstances. And the person who notices it gets yep. awesome. Yep. Gee, I wonder, statistically speaking, who that person usually is. Hmm. Hmm. Who can know? Nobody can know. Mulder puts him back, pulls him back in by telling Dwayne he forgot to lock the door after the women left. Dwayne walks back toward the door, is murdered, and the screen goes black. Ah, only he was murdered. Oh, you're right. He isn't murdered. I thought he was murdered. Cut back from commercial, and we see Dwayne is not dead, but loaded into an ambulance. Yeah, the scene where Mulder sells him out is rough. Yeah, it's it's tense. They everybody involved does a really good job in that scene. That's true. I didn't I didn't give them credit in this (laughs) recap. Well, I'm giving them credit right now because. Especially my boy, my sweet baby boy, does a really good job looking ashamed of himself as he's doing something. That is true, he does. Yeah, it's fantastic. Congratulations, my sweet baby boy, you're a good actor. (laughs) Next, we are at Jefferson Memorial Hospital in Richmond, Virginia. Mulder slowly walks down the hallway to Agent Kasdan, who is talking to a police officer, and they shake hands. What she says is, oh, do you want to read this because you do her voice well? Oh, I checked on his records at the Bureau. It was exemplary. His accident was something of a mystery. Shot by his own weapon in a drug stakeout. Left for dead in the woods. He was never the same. Lost everything. Wife, kids, house. Uh, In the x-rays, the surgeon found several pieces of metal in his gums, in his sinus cavity, and one in his abdomen. I had them checked. I felt you'd want to know. And there were tiny drill holes in his left and right rear molars. A dentist who examined them said they could not have been done with any of the current equipment in use, not without chipping or damaging the teeth. Anyway, I thought you ought to know. So basically, Mulder was right. Uh, Basically, Dwayne Barry's not a liar. You calling Dwayne Barry a liar? It's true. So at the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., Mulder is seated across from Scully, who is at her desk. She's looking at one of the implants from Dwayne Barry that's in a tiny glass vial. Scully says it could be shrapnel. He did do a tour in Vietnam, which I guess in the 90s, every adult male had done a tour of duty. Pretty much. At least one tour. Unless you got out of it, like my dad did by going to college, or like one of our presidents did by having his rich dad's friend, who's a doctor, write him several notes. Or another one of our presidents by having his rich dad put him in the National Guard and having him stationed in Texas. So what you're saying is I should have had a rich dad. If you had a rich dad, you would not have had to go to Vietnam. (sighs) Sorry. Should be. It's your fault I don't have a rich dad. (laughs) And and all the stuff I did do in Vietnam. Yep. At the FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C., there's a ballistics expert who's looking at the implant under a microscope with Scully. They pretend it's something. That's all I have in this scene. It's a barcode. Yeah. It's a really teeny tiny barcode. They pretend it's something. (laughs) It's fine. That's what happens. But it does prompt Scully to take it with her to a supermarket where she's in the express checkout lane and the clerk runs pickles and ice cream over the barcode scanner. Was it pickles and ice cream? Yeah. Ah, Because I looked and I couldn't tell what it was. I thought maybe it was a big thing of oats. 
Well, in trivia, in the supermarket scene, Agent Scully buys pickles and ice cream. This is an in-joke, as Gillian Anderson was pregnant at the time. Yeah. The pickles were obvious. Maybe I was looking down every time. Maybe. It was a lot of pickles. Now I want pickles! She also scanned a bunch of stuff. It wasn't just two things. And and I remember because it just kept beeping. Yeah. We didn't see everything. Uh, but then it was 11.14 for all that stuff. And I was like... Wow, 1994 <laughs> prices. You could get an entire grocery list for 11 bucks. And then she wrote a check, which I had also forgotten existed. Oh, yeah. I barely, my financial, you know, quote, independence went into the check phase. I had to write checks well into the 2010s because there's, there's certain things that would only take Asher check. Mm. At school, I'm trying ah. to remember what it was, but it was always something for Riley's school or something. And it would be like, I don't, well, I don't have $100 in cash, so I guess I have to find an old checkbook <laughs> somewhere. Why are you doing this to me? Bastards. <laughs> the cashier is off for the night, so she grabs her money tray and walks away. Scully scans the shrapnel, and the cash register is unhappy. <laughs> Does not like that. Nope. Then at Jefferson Memorial Hospital again, we're in Washington, Virginia. Dwayne continues to be comatose. His heart rate and blood pressure are now steadier, but far from healthy. A crackling rumbles through the air and his eyes pop open, gasps, and looks to his left, seeing silhouettes of aliens on the other side of the curtain. Light bulbs from there as well. Light builds from there as well. Dwayne, gasping, gets up and takes off his various plugs. He looks out his door's window and sees the police officer talking on the phone. However, I would like to note that we are told Dwayne is in critical condition. (laughs) Yeah. And critical condition does not allow you to wake up, pull out all of your plugs, and run. Bullet wound in your chest. Still bleeding. Critical condition. And these aliens just show up, say hi, and let him run away? I guess so. Or the alien's not there and he's hallucinating. I don't know. I can't tell. It... At this point in the episode, it needs to be clear. But it isn't. And it isn't. Well, the police officer is outside, and Dwayne Barry hits him with a fire extinguisher and then runs off. So either the aliens pop in to say hi, or they came to grab him, but they refuse to... They refuse the indignity of chasing their prey. I'm not sure. If they he runs, they, they don't go after him. They can't get through that curtain. No, they're like, ah! Where is the slit? <laughs> we beamed in on the wrong side. <laughs> Our one weakness. Plastic! Yes. At Mulder's apartment in Washington, D.C., thunder rumbles outside. The phone rings and the machine picks it up. Scully, hey Mulder, it's me's, and tells him about the shrapnel. She says it's as though someone were trying to catalog him. This is where I was going to mention tagging animals. And it would be hilarious if that's what aliens actually did. They just tagged your ear and like every 20th person you saw just had a big, had a big <laughs> tag on their ear and they acted like they didn't know it was there. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. Be like cattle. They don't. Yeah, aliens do better. Actually, they probably do because we can see those and they don't need to see them visually. Mm-hmm. Ours are so big, we need to see them visually. Yeah. People do better. Yeah, people do better. <laughs> I saw a tagged vulture the other day. Oh. Yeah, I thought that was weird. It just, huh, I hope our vulture population is okay. Uh, judging from Ruskin, Florida, yes, it's fine. Hmm. Well, they tagged them for a reason. I don't know what the reason is. Hmm. 
Thunder cracks again, and Dwayne is outside Scully's window. We hear a crash. She screams, yelling for Mulder for help. And this, my dears, is our very first To Be Continued. Ooh. All right. Good episode overall. Yep. They just need to quit going back and forth on whether or not Dwayne Barry is actually getting scooped by aliens. Right? Scooping. <laughs> you've said you've started saying scoops as listening to that podcast. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, because it is a to be continued, have you shipped anybody? I'm going to go with Dwayne Barry and a better psychiatrist. Oh my goodness, yes. That guy has the cushy job of being the psychiatrist at a mental facility. So his job is, ooh, hot take, just to keep everybody docile, mm-hmm. not to actually help them. Yes. <laughs> Uh, agreed so yeah i think that makes sense i would like to know what landed him there because if you just believe in aliens that doesn't get you shipped off to a correctional facility no i think we're supposed to be led to believe that he occasionally has violent outbursts we are supposed to believe that right so i guess that would be what lands him there and what i see is him yelling and i have worked with people (laughs) Who have behaved exactly like four that. Four people. <laughs> yes, I've worked four people who have behaved exactly like that. Not yelling about aliens, but yelling to those degrees and being that volatile. Mm-hmm. That it's not enough for me, <laughs> <laughs> for me to go, oh yeah, our society would definitely make him stop. <laughs> well, that guy's an entrepreneur. Oh my gosh. So. Dwayne Berry. <laughs> if only Dwayne Berry had invented a thing. Or not even invented Not invented, but just said that he's in charge of a thing. Right. (laughs) Knew a VC dickhead. (laughs) (laughs) If Dwayne Barry knew a VC dipshit, (coughs) he'd be an entrepreneur. (laughs) Yep. He just didn't know the right people. Yep. And that's how I'm going to survive. I'm going to meet a VC dickhead and I can act however I want. It's true. They'll just keep giving me money. It's so true. (laughs) It's wild. I have sat in so many meetings where I'm just like, where am I? How is this reality? This is wild. And everybody's pretending this is normal? Okay. (laughs) So who are you shipping? Oh, man. Uh, CCH Pounder and that cappuccino she never got. Ah, yeah. (laughs) That's a good one. Uh, Let's revisit that scene for a second because Crycheck is like, how can I help? Yeah. She goes, do you have your notepad? Yes. And I was fully expecting her to say, okay, write this down. Go fuck myself. (laughs) Which would have been wild. (laughs) It's the same tone. She basically did because she gave him her her cappuccino order. And then Agent Rich, no. I think Agent Rich should have ordered. Yeah. And then it should have come back around and they would have been, they should have been like, Where's our coffee? Yeah. Agent Rich, uh, same, but with hazelnut. Right. <laughs> no foam. Low, low foam, half-calf. <laughs> Agent Rich's order is so complicated. <laughs> extra, extra, extra hot. Yeah, when people order more hot than normal, what, what even is that? I'd like it McDonald's hot, please. Oh, my gosh. Peel off my groin skin, please. <laughs> All right, uh, and how... you're surviving by knowing a VC dickhead? Yep. That's a great idea, except, ugh, it seems like so much work. Um, how am I surviving? I guess by never becoming a travel agent. Ah, uh, that's, yeah, good one. All right, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what are you happy about this week? 
Oh, let's see. Looking forward to... I had something. Oh, I had something. Okay, well, I will go first. I won $100 by going into a store the other day. That was <laughs> great. I went to one place that whole day and yeah. won $100. Nice. So that was great. Great for me. What am I looking forward to? Oh, man. Well... Or what's making you happy. Yeah. Oh, that new band you just found. Oh, Silk Sonic. I almost said Silk Stockings. Yeah. Apparently, I just want to talk about it. Yeah. Yes. Bruno Mars and Anderson Pack and Silk Sonic. Yes. The album's been out a couple weeks now, but I haven't listened to the full thing. Right. But every song that I've heard so far is so good. It's really fun. It's it's my new favorite band. Awesome. It's my favorite new band. There we go. That's a way to say that. Yes. And I love Bruno Mars is turning into like the cool old guy. <laughs> Even though he's probably younger than me. Probably. But he's getting that cool old guy look going. He's got some dimples, man. Yeah. So if you have some time, look it up on YouTube. They've got some music videos out. They're just fun. So much fun. I mean, they're really good. But good they, songs, a lot of fun. Good silly. retro feel yeah. to them. Good, like old school Motown feel to it. Yeah. Uh, old, like that old R&B. Yeah, super fun. Real good shit. And everybody looks like they're having a fucking blast. <laughs> yeah, you said that you bet this was their uh, quarantine project. Yes. Yeah, makes sense to me. They are having a grand time. Yeah, and the songs are all the songs are all great. Yep. If I can wedge one of those into the cast files playlist. <laughs> it would be weird. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. I'm not sure how. Nice. So go look that up. If you're looking for something that has nothing to do with the holidays at all, but is just like good jams. Yeah. Good fun, fun times. Great oldies. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Golden newies. Yes. Just watch some guys having a great time. Okay. <laughs> all right. That's it. The Cast Files is produced by Kristen Riley and Dave Reed. Edited by Dave Reed. You can find us on Twitter at Cast Files. You can find me on Twitter at Dave Reed. That's D-A-I-V-E-R-E-E-D. You can email us at The Cast Files. That's the with two E's at gmail.com. If you could please go rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, give us five stars and tell us that we are doing phenomenal things. Artistic, wonderful things. We are raising the bar on podcasting. We would love you forever for that. We have a Tee Public store. You can go buy t-shirts and stuff there. Music by Hal Six. Logo by Atuka Art. That's O-O-K-A-A-R-T. 